Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Tony Guerrero, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Hi, listeners. Today's topic is approval addiction. Do you ever feel the need for approval? I think back about a time when I was serving as worship director of a local church in the Twin Cities. The church was a nice big size, probably about 800 people on every Sunday. I had worked really hard, harder than ever, to prepare for a huge Good Friday drama that yielded about a thousand people. And I went home and I threw myself down in front of a peanut butter sandwich and prepared for the next day, which would lead me to the next day that required another three services for Easter. Exhausted, tired, physically achy, I woke up at 4 a.m. on Easter morning and drove the hour to my job and began to prepare for the morning events. Excitement filled the church along with a wafting smell of lovely lilies. Sunshine burst through the windows and little children marched in with bonnets and gloves, suits and ties and little tiny purses. At the end of the service, it was filled with special music and beautiful choir numbers and a drama. Well, I collapsed in my office when it was all over. I sipped some stale McDonald's iced tea from the night before and just took a deep breath. People popped their heads in my office and congratulated me on the team doing a great job and Grandma said they'd never seen a finer drama, while little kids told me they loved the costumes of the disciples. Teenagers stopped by to say they welcomed the loud guitars, while parents loved the choir. It was all good. No, it was really all great. But what I really, really wanted, I didn't get. What I really thought I needed didn't come my way. What, you ask? The approval of my bosses. The approval of my staff, the approval of my church board. It wasn't that they didn't love it. They just didn't take the time to say, hey, Kath, great work. Your team did great. Lots of energy, lots of time. It was then that I knew I was made for affirmation. It was then I understood that people weren't going to give it to me. It was then that I knew that God would be the only anchor to my soul in how I felt about myself, my work, my creativity, and how I would not get discouraged by man when I could be encouraged by God. Now, this took a little bit of work. And you know what the truth is? It takes work all the time because my personality tends to be a people pleaser. I tend to look out at congregations, look out at conference attendees, look at my neighbors, look at my friends and say, hey, am I doing great? What do you think? Am I doing okay? Hey, tell me I'm doing all right. The truth is, people don't do it. We're going to talk about that in today's show. We're going to talk with one of my favorite friends, Pastor Louis. Joining me today to discuss this topic is my friend, Pastor Louis Schultz. And Louis is a graduate of Bethel University and Seminary in St. Paul and has pastored churches for over 25 years. Welcome, Pastor Louis. So, Pastor Louis, as a pastor and Christ follower, have you ever struggled with approval addiction? or even the incredible need to have other people telling you you're doing a great job or that your sermon was effective? As you know, Kathy, because we've been friends for a long time, um, I'm fully aware of my capacity 
to pursue people's praise in an unhealthy manner. And so, <laughs> yes, your question is a resounding yes. And, you know, how that feels when people criticize or they speak negatively about something you've done and you poured your heart into it and you've birthed this baby of a lesson or a song or a sermon and you feel like it fell flat or people are going to go to the local Perkins and speak <laughs> evil about you for hours. There you go. Over a few cups of coffee and a couple of pancakes. <laughs> yeah, I think, to be honest, I think it began in the Garden of Eden. I think that that feeling that Adam and Eve had after they had failed and they were hiding for fear of rejection, mm -hmm. I think that may be where it starts with all of us. And you know, after the fall, how we think about ourselves can be so, you know, messed up and fickle, because just like every other human, from when I was a child, I had this ability to catalog every negative, critical word I ever heard spoken to me or about me from my parents or teachers or coaches or neighborhood brats that didn't want to say nice things about me. I remember still seventh grade, Daniel Hemstreet. And if you're listening, I forgive you, Daniel. <laughs> anyway, Daniel Hemstreet made a point to, to say that my pants weren't long enough mm. and started nicknaming me High Water Schultz or oh, Clam Digger yeah. Schultz. And, you know, we remember those things we because do. they stick with us. They so, do. Yes. yes, I have struggled with the fear of man. And you know what's really difficult is it's not just the fact that you're up there preaching a sermon. And I and I think you've really um, hit the nail on the head because as someone that creates something, pastors are writing a sermon, you know, you're delivering that. I'll deliver my conference talk. And if you have people that are out in your audience and they're sleeping, nodding off, or perhaps they're, they have their arms crossed and the body language is negative, all of a sudden I have to really fight that feeling of my mind saying, oh, see, they're not interested, or oh, it was so bad, they're asleep. And you look for that, it's just almost like human nature, you look for that person nodding and, you know, the people that are eagerly taking notes and thinking, okay, good, I'm doing an okay job. The negative is where we tend to land. You know, we focus on that one person out of the 55 people that said that was encouraging. And then you've got that one person that maybe writes on a survey card or tells their grandma's brother's janitor, you know, later, I, I didn't like that. Isn't that difficult? It's that, you know, one or more few numbered people that don't like you that I tend to focus on. What about you? Well, yeah, as I said, you know, when people speak negatively or unkindly, about what you've done, whether it's to your face or behind your back, it really feels like a curse. Mm -hmm. It does. And it's so hard to shake the curses of others. It's probably why the Bible makes so much about being careful what comes out of our mouth and also about what we, we choose to focus on. I had a gal <laughs> in a church out west who, after the worship songs were sung 
and the sermon was announced, or I was coming up to preach, she literally got up from her seat in the pew and walked out every Sunday. Yeah, and you know what, Pastor Louie, I can relate to that, because I had a couple that would come in every Sunday, 15 minutes after the hour, because they knew that worship was done, so they would skip the worship and get right to the sermon. I can relate. <laughs> yep, that was that was painful. their way of saying, "At a girl." That's right. Great job. Painful. That's painful. I want to talk about that for just a minute. This is off our script, but you know, this is what's interesting to me: is have you ever thought about why people can be very negative when we're you know seeking approval and we're kind of you know tend to lean towards that addictive feeling of yeah, we've got to make sure everybody's happy. Then if you think about the people that aren't happy with us, do you ever really look at them? Sometimes I wonder if it's not just that they don't like us, but if you look a little deeper, very often I will find that somebody perhaps is jealous or somebody perhaps doesn't get approval themselves, so they like to withhold that. Do you ever think about that? Well, you're you're 100% right that anytime anyone speaks negative and critical about others. It's a a very pure mirror reflection of how they view themselves and the way that they've chosen to think about their value and their worth. And it's nearly impossible for someone, and we all get into that mindset at different times where we feel bad about ourselves and we find things coming out of our mouth, the loved ones that we don't really mean, but we're kind of in the, I got to tear something down because I feel like garbage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we we all wrestle with that. And everybody has a choice of how they choose to view themselves. And as a man thinks about himself or herself, so he or she is out of the abundance of what goes from their minds into their hearts as they think about themselves. The mouth speaks. And, you know, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five is a, a verse I've tried to learn to meditate on regularly. It says, the fear of man is a snare, mm, yeah. but those who trust in God are safe. Mm, I love it. it If I'm choosing to let the opinion of man rule my sense of who I am, it's always going to be a trap. Think about the fickleness people had in their opinion of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Palm Sunday, he's riding in with pomp and circumstance or palms and circumstance, and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yay, here's our Messiah. Well, their agenda was different than his, and as soon as they found that out, you know, they yelled, crucify him. Right. And people's opinion of us, and even our opinion of ourselves, is fickle. Mm-hmm. And it's based on externals. You know, in First Samuel sixteen seven, the Bible says, man looks at the outside, and that's our reality. We live in that reality that the people around us really can only see what they can see from the outside. That's right. And so if we're basing our thoughts about ourselves or sense of value and worth and approval on what they see, it's it's 
unreal. You know, they don't know the real you. And as we're going to talk about later, God, the one who knows the real me, has said things about me that are so amazingly gracious. Yes. You know, that's what I want to, you know, develop a a lifestyle around. What is God thinking and saying? Exactly. Tell us what God says about how we should see ourselves and how can you and I and our listeners grasp this? How can we remember that even though some people won't like us, God stays the same? Well, God has chosen to experience everything that we've experienced, and the New Testament is a record of how God in the flesh had to handle people that were difficult and were insecure and were unwilling to receive God's blessing. And so I I think it's important for us to remember Hebrews 4 says, in every way that we've struggled, that God in Christ has experienced all of those tests and those trials and those temptations. You think about the cursing that he received, even as he was offering his lifeblood on our behalf on the cross. And yet, um, John 13 tells us that Jesus, knowing where he had come from and knowing where he was going, he endured everything and served everyone. So that's one of the the aspects of God's view of this that has been helpful to me. The other is that if you could put in a word, a single word, what is God's opinion of me, what would that word be if you thought about it, Kathy? God's opinion of me. Oh, yeah, in a word. In one you know, word. As you've studied the Bible, if you were to capsulize, this is how God feels about me every day. So if I read Scripture and I have faith and I believe what Scripture says, I would tell you that my one word would be beautiful, that God sees me and everybody else is beautiful, because we know Scripture tells us in Psalms that we're you know beautifully and wonderfully made. So that's the word I think about. And I love that. And, you know, as a a human man who is aging and I have to live with mirrors, I can wonder, you know, um, can Pammy ever still see something beautiful in me? And yet she's so gracious every day. She tells me how handsome I am and how she desires and loves me. Um, that's a beautiful thing to remember and, and to say to each other, my one word is love. Mm. As I think one. about the whole counsel of God, as the Bible has described how God sees me, he sees me in love. First John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Behold, stop, look, listen, take a minute and ponder, ponder what? The manner of love God feels for us. Well, how do I do that? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 has some pretty good insight about how God loves me. It's it's patient, it's kind, it always perseveres, always hopes, always believes, and keeps no record of wrong. 
So if God's opinion of me is founded in his love for me, then I might want to take the time to become an expert in how does God love me. Romans 8 says, he will never condemn me. So when I'm feeling the curse of condemnation from others, I can remember that God's saying to me, he will never condemn me. He will never leave me, never forsake me. He will never entertain accusation against me. Romans 8 says, who dares accuse Louie and Kathy and Pammy and Dean, whom I have called and chosen for myself? Will God? No. He's the one who gave us right standing with himself. Will Christ Jesus? No. He's the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting right next to the Father in the place of honor and power, praying for us. So when I think about how I need to think about myself in view of what God says, I have to remember that he loves me and nothing will ever separate me from his love. And that helps me yes, kind totally. of bear the brunt of other people's curses. Yes. But I also have learned when people say kind things, I say out loud, I receive your blessing. Mm, you always have. I love that about you. You don't shirk it or shake it or say no or and, be embarrassed. You always receive it. That's, that's healthy. Do you know what I do when somebody speaks evil about no, me? No. What do you do? I, I say, don't receive in your my blessing? heart, I do not receive Excellent. that curse. Excellent. I love it. That's that's a wonderful way to look at it. And listeners, we're going to be back right after this. Stay tuned and listen as we talk about approval addiction. Matt Russell, a blogger for the National Association of Christian Recovery, says this in his blog on approval addiction. Quote, I've seen a spiritual principle at work in relationship to this, living in the gracious acceptance and approval of God will liberate me from the approval addiction. The converse is true, too. Living as an approval addict will keep me from living in the love of God. Well, we are back with Pastor Louis. Pastor Louis, here's my really tough question, because we need to help people with some answers. We've looked at it. If people are honest with themselves, they're going to say, yeah, this is me. I really am affected by what people think of me. So what can we do? What's a first step in breaking a pattern of relying on other people's opinions to feel value? What can we do? Well, it's interesting. As I was praying and meditating on this whole topic in anticipation of our chat, it's interesting what God brought me to for remedy. And it's, it's very interesting that he brought me to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. So, though we walk in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to tear down strongholds. Definition of stronghold is a mindset, something I've chosen to believe that's contrary to what God has said. So those patterns of thought and traps that we get into need to be torn down. We have to take every thought that we're thinking about ourselves captive and go, is this accurately true from God's perspective, and he's the only righteous judge, yes or no? We have to pull down every lofty thought. Now, that idea of 
casting down these lofty thoughts is anything that we're exalting above God's opinion. So if I'm exalting what you or somebody else has said about me as being more important than God's opinion, I need to literally just tear that down, acknowledge it in my mind, Mm -hmm. and cast it down. And then I think we need to move from there to develop a lifestyle of only speaking kindness and Mm. good things and encouraging words. Remember Hebrews Mm -hmm. 10 talks about, let us stimulate one another Mm -hmm. to love and good deeds. Yes, It says, let us consider, let us think about, let us ponder, how is it that I could stimulate someone near me to love and good deeds. Mm-hmm. And all the more, Hebrews 10 goes on to say, as the days get evil and the time of Christ's return, we need to be encouraging one another. And I've found in my relationship with you, for example, over the years, that I've never heard you speak to me in an unkind or critical word, but only that which builds up, Ephesians 4.29. And you know that I will never entertain a bad report about you or ever speak evil about you, whether you're there or not there. And I believe that if we commission ourselves to become the kind of people that speak well of others and refuse to entertain gossip from others, that we'll go a long way to becoming the kind of people that others do approve of. That's exactly right. But also we'll model Mm -hmm. how to break out of that fear of man that is a snare. That's right. That's exactly right. What great advice, Pastor Louie. And listeners, if you're struggling with this topic, I just want to ask you again to listen again. You know, go back onto iTunes, listen, rewind, and hear some of these fabulous scriptures that Louis is encouraging us with, because it's truth. When we're focused on who we are in Christ and who God created, we're not going to be thinking about what people are saying or whether they're snubbing us or ignoring us. We aren't going to put our stock in how people feel about us. We're going to count on God's favor. So thanks so much, Pastor Louis, for being here with us today. Blessings to you. I receive it. Thank you. Listeners, here's our staffer and one of my great friends, Tony Guerrero, sharing with us his thoughts on how God sees us in his segment called Everyday Worship. Hi, listeners. You and I have never met. We've never spoken or exchanged emails, and yet I know some stuff about you, some really good stuff. For example, I know you are loved by the creator of the universe. I know you have a purpose on this earth. I know God has called you to things greater than even your biggest dreams. I know God wants to spend eternity with you, and I know you are gifted. Yes, you. Sure, it's easy for a Christian to claim those first few things about you simply because the Bible tells us many universal truths about each other. But you may have a harder time accepting that last one, that you're gifted. Perhaps you haven't ever considered yourself gifted, talented, or creative. Maybe you've never been recognized for any particular act or trait that would label you as gifted. You may have spent your whole life not thinking of yourself in those terms. Words like that are for others, for the artists, the performers, the outgoing, the confident, the standouts. But I am sure of your giftedness, because God is sure. Follow this. The first act we see God doing is the act of creating. And during this act of creation, we were created by Him, in His image. 
Did you catch that? You were created by a creative God in his image. So guess what? You are creative. You are gifted. You are amazing. Deal with it. Now you may think I'm equating your giftedness to only artistic endeavors. Yes, God created us all to be creative, but he didn't give us all the same talents. Maybe you really can't draw or play music or sing or dance, but God is not a liar. You are still gifted. Your gift may be compassion. Your gift may be hospitality, accounting, relationships, cooking, decorating, mechanics, discernment. It is entirely possible to live for many years not recognizing your own true God-given gifts, but that doesn't mean you don't have them. It just means you've got some work to do because if God gave you gifts, and he did in case you haven't been paying attention, then he expects you to use them. If you're a parent, you've probably at one time or another taped a drawing onto the refrigerator that was made by one of your kids for everybody to see. Never mind that it doesn't look anything like what the child described it as, you're just proud of them for trying and you think it's beautiful. Just like that, God is proud of you when you act on your God-given creativity. Michelangelo said, a true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. So according to Michelangelo, even the world's highest standards are nothing compared to what God can do. So then why do we let the opinion of the world overshadow what God thinks of our gifts? Go, find your gifts, and when you do, cling to them as a precious gift from God, and use them. Claim your spot on his refrigerator. This is Tony Guerrero for Best Life Ministries with Worshipful Moments. Friends, if we continue to live in a codependent frame of mind where we're only as good as the compliments we get, we'll never get anywhere. We must learn to trust and believe in God's opinion of ourselves, and we must learn to develop a healthy self-esteem not one where we are the center of the universe, but one that says, yes, I have gifts and talents, and yes, God's created me to use them, and yes, sometimes I'm going to succeed and sometimes I'm not, but I'm okay whether you like me, whether you approve or not. Listeners, here's Pastor Rachel Warner to talk with us a little bit more about this topic. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Warner, and I am addicted to approval. In fact, it's even hard for me to decide what to say to you today, because at the end, I want you to like me. I want you to like Kathy's show, and I want you to think that we've done a good job, because it matters to me that you approve of me. But the more I've thought about it, the more I realize that I'm probably not the only one out there who is my own worst critic. I think about all the ways that we judge ourselves. From the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, judging ourselves based on how we look, what we're wearing, whether or not we've made it through enough items on our to-do list, whether we feel we've been enough for our families and our friends. And I suspect that at the bottom of it all, our desire for the approval of others ultimately stems from these judgmental and critical views that we hold of ourselves. Well, there's a scripture that I often go to these days, especially when I'm feeling insecure, when I find myself turning to others to affirm my worth instead of trusting in God's vision for me, God's image in me, and the desire God has to transform the world through me and through all of us. And that scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke from chapter 1, verse 45. It speaks of Mary, just as she is about to become the mother of Jesus. And the verse says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now, when I think about Mary's story, 
I think about a young woman who had to make a choice. She had to make a choice to sacrifice her need for the approval of others because there would be many who would judge her and criticize her and who would not believe or would not approve of who she was and what she was doing. But she had to make a choice to let all of that go in order to say yes to God, in order to be empowered as the person God had created her to be, in order to live forward the vision that God had for her life, in order to be a part of the bigger story of God's redemptive work in all the world. And so when I'm feeling extra critical of myself, I think of Mary, and I remind myself to look instead to God as the source of my worth, to God who has created me, to God who has loved me, and to God who promises to bless those who believe that God will fulfill God's promises in us and with us and through us. So my prayer for you and for all of us this day is that we might remember that we are created on purpose by a God who calls us beloved and that your worth might come from God and might be affirmed as you see yourself in God's image. Amen. Don't rely on others to build your confidence. Be confident in yourself through Christ. Find out that you can do things and you can do them well. Use your gifts. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this glorious day that we're alive and living on planet Earth. Thanks for making us exactly the way that you have with the gifts we have and the abilities. Help us to understand that we don't need people telling us that we're great, that we just believe that you love and accept us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.